Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. During the workshop, you will hear from our panel of expert speakers. We will allow time for questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star and zero on the touch tone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Senior Director in Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Ramella. And I, too, would like to welcome everyone to today's Cancer Care Connect Education Workshop. It's titled Adjusting to Your Blood Cancer Treatment Over Time, Challenges and Opportunities of Taking Your Treatment on Schedule. And today's program is supported by Pharmacyclics LLC, an AbbVie company, and Janssen Biotech, Inc., administered by Janssen Scientific Affairs, LLC. I really want to thank them for their support of this program today. Now, we have a lot of you on the call today. There's over 200 participants on the call today, and you come from all of the United States, from both urban, rural, suburban, and frontier communities. And we also have international participants from Austria, Cameroon, Canada, Denmark, Poland and the United Kingdom. So it's a global call as well. And it's a credit to each of you that you've chosen to spend this next hour with us. Now, before I introduce our first speaker, I would like to just ask you all just a few questions. It'll take about two minutes. And those of you who are live streaming the program will be able to see the questions and will be able to actually um, respond to them and rate the questions. So again, those of you who are live streaming will be able to do this. So on a scale of one to five, with one the highest rating and five the lowest rating, please select your rating. I understand the side effects of blood cancer treatments. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, I understand how to work with the healthcare team to manage each treatment side effect. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, I understand the importance of taking blood cancer treatment on schedule adherence. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And now just two questions left. Next question, I understand how to overcome the challenges of taking pills on schedule. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And then this will be the last question, I understand how to plan ahead to manage lead time in refilling prescriptions, weekends, travel, holidays, and special occasions. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. So I want to thank everyone for participating in these questions. Um, your responses really allow us to better tailor the programs to meet your needs. So thank you so much. And now it's my pleasure to introduce our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. Michael Morrow. Dr. Morrow is leader of Myeloproliferative Neoplasms Program, member of Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, professor of Wild Cornell Medicine. And Dr. Morrow will be addressing an overview of blood cancer's treatment, treatments, understanding treatment side effects, working with your healthcare team to manage each treatment side effect, dealing with blood cancer treatments and other comorbid health problems and treatments, adjusting to your blood cancer treatments over time, the importance of taking your blood cancer treatment on schedule, adherence, can I take my medication at any time of the day? And quality of life concerns. It's my uh, pleasure to introduce, to bring this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Morrow. Well, thanks, Carolyn. And uh, thanks to Cancer Care for hosting this. And 
Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Carol Ann, and uh, my colleague, Dr. Elizabeth O'Donnell, um, and all of you to uh, to talk about these important subjects. So I've got quite a list in front of me, and um, I'm going to start by just speaking about um, you know, where are we at with blood cancer treatments? What kind of treatments do we have? And that's a pretty great start because <clears throat> the good news is that blood cancer treatments have really changed quite a bit in the last few decades. Um, Historically, blood cancer was treated um, as best we could, often with what we might view as conventional chemotherapy, which, in honest, you know, did have some side effects that were, you know, can could have been quite serious and uh, hard on patients. Um, the blood is a continually regenerating part of our, our body, so you know, a lot of the early treatments of blood cancers were chemotherapy or, or drugs, chemicals that would essentially hurt bad blood more than healthy blood, although it often hurt both to a degree. And um, we were able to, to treat uh, many different blood cancers with a broad array of different chemotherapy drugs. We also had medications that um, could affect the metabolism of cancer cells, you know, um, uh, things that were what we'll call anti-metabolites, things like that. But we've, that was a very, as many might say today, a bit of a historical approach. We still use many of those medications today. Some of them are tried and true. They're very predictable, and we've come a long way in, in supporting people through those treatments where even if the blood counts do um, diminish or even sort of are absent for a period of time after some treatments for blood cancer, they will recover. We have growth factors which help blood re you know, return back healthy and, and quicker um, with less complications, such, such strategies. Um, uh, and, and other things have really uh, blossomed. But what I'd really like to say is that targeted cancer treatment is what we think of more and more and more today. And in some diseases, we are at the point where we're, we're using what one might consider a non-chemotherapy treatment. And that's a bit of a misnomer because any medicine is a chemical or a, it's, a, it's a chemotherapy, it's an anti-cancer drug. It's just the nature of those medications. So targeted drugs also is a bit of a broad term and really not specific. Think of them as smarter drugs, things that are very discreet, that will only affect a cancer cell at its root cause, something very specific to that cancer cell, something that may not do any or very little uh, damage to any other cell except for the cancer cell that we're trying to get rid of. And it can do it in a very maybe sort of a stealth way or an efficient way where it doesn't cause a lot of damage on the way out or take any innocent bystanders, healthy blood cells along with it. Um, and it really can exploit... Um, Hate to use this analogy, but if you know if a cancer cell is kind of like a like a bomb, and you're looking and say, what, what wires do we need to cut to, uh, to 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 get it to you know to silence it to make it harmless? That's exactly what we're down to, where we can identify discrete genetic abnormalities, discrete features, markers, proteins that are up, down, um, on, off um, to to treat. So so that's um, the the approach. Cancer drugs can include antibodies oral targeted drugs, intravenous targeted drugs, injectable targeted drugs. Some of them can be given by other routes, um, depending on the cancer. Um, they are complex, but in general safer, smarter, and better than they ever were. Let's turn to my next topic, because they got a lot to cover. Treatment side effects. Very much tied into what I was just speaking about. The side effects have changed. The good story with targeted therapy is we often have a very broad range of of a medicine we can use without causing a lot of collateral damage or side effects. But that doesn't mean that there aren't side effects. In fact, we have to be even smarter there. Because they're different and they may be sort of stealth or very narrow, we may see side effects that we sometimes don't always predict. And we're 
we set a very broad um, uh, horizon line and say we need to look and be aware of any side effects that can come. Uh, the proper studies are always done to try to understand um, side effects, but it, you know we do have this good problem in that sometimes medications are studied as best we can, and when they're brought to to patients for uh, because of their excellent results and their their um, their excellent safety, but then we still need to follow them even after they've been approved and considered to be you know standard or mainstream to make sure we don't pick up on any side effects. So, reporting side effects is probably the next topic, and that's that's where the partnership really. Um, continues. Yeah, I've been working clinical trials for my career over 20 years, and the best partner I have in research is my patient, who's telling me, is, is, is sort of ferreting out what side effects the medicine may be having. And, and you know, if we have a, a good relationship and open dialogue, I'm hearing about it, I can analyze it, I can compare it to other patients, and we can make conclusions, and we can how to work on how to circumnavigate or work around side effects, how to, how to mitigate or, or um, reduce or eliminate them. And, and get get to a better day where we uh, we've uh, got so much more knowledge on hand to manage the pluses and minuses of chemotherapy. So talking to your healthcare team to manage treatment side effects is think of it as um, as just a vital part of the relationship between the uh, you know a cancer physician and their and their patient and and family and and, and caregivers. Um, some suggestions and Elizabeth probably have others too. Is you know diaries, um, alarms. Um, you name it to to try to give us. We're scientists. We love that stuff. So um, write it down, um, record it, track it, um, graphs. You know whatever you want to generate. I mean, I, we don't want you to be spending all of your time being scientists with us. But whatever you can offer is really helpful, and I, I, uh, I think it's a tremendous benefit. The next thing to mention is dealing with um, comorbid health conditions. Um, I work a lot in chronic leukemias, uh, CML, for example. I'll just use an example here. One of the most important things we've come to realize is that a lot of folks with CML can do really well with treatment, and it's oral medication, which is well-tolerated and can have a limited number of side effects. But there seems to be a little bit of a story with cardiovascular health, and some of the medications can sort of intensify some risks and even cause some problems. Um, so knowing about someone's cardiovascular health is vital. Um, so cancer treatment nowadays does not mean that all other health care gets put on hold for sure. All other health needs to be kept moving at the same speed, sometimes at a different speed with different monitoring and stepped up um, testing to make sure there aren't any unanticipated side effects or um, unanticipated effects on other health conditions. Even the most common things, diabetes, high blood pressure, things that affect a lot of people can change with different cancer treatments. So we have to look at the always have to be holistic, as we say in medicine. We have to, your cancer team needs to be taking care of the whole you, hear about everything about you, your other medicines, your other health issues, changes that are happening there, so we can navigate successfully forward. Um, adjusting your blood cancer treatments over time. So this is what we do. So um, it's not the end of the world. Sometimes we, uh, again, with these targeted drugs particularly, where there's often a broad range of therapeutic window, as we say, um, we may be personalizing the treatment, maybe a bit more, a bit less, a wider interval, taking it less often, taking it more often to, to get the best response and the lowest side effect profile is common. Um, a lot of our historic treatments were very algorithmic. You know, if you were two meters squared by your height and your weight by a formula that we use, you would get a certain dose of chemotherapy. We really wouldn't adjust it. Now we can adjust um, more, more frequently because we often have that ability with the medicines we use today. So don't be afraid of adjustments. Ask if you think you need an adjustment. And of course, stick with the adjustment. Make sure you keep track of it. And that's the next topic on my list is adherence. Um, 
here, here comes one of my favorite analogies, that a lot of cancer treatments are like a marathon, not like a sprint. So you have to settle in and, and go long haul, which means, for example, again, I'll use my d disease I look after a lot, chronic myeloid leukemia, where most patients are in treatment for a few years, three at a minimum. That's a long time. Some people, I, you know, some, some of us can't finish a prescription of antibiotics, which can be seven to 14 days. Forget about three years. So figuring out a way to make that work is really important. And again, it comes back to understanding what you're treating, why you're taking what you're taking, what you need to look out for, sort of you know, coming to, um, to grips, to peace, to, to comfort with it, to understand it, not to be afraid of it, not to be afraid to ask, and then to stick with it. Um, some medications in chronic myeloid leukemia, if people miss one dose a week, that may be enough to whittle down the chances of them getting into a good remission, which is pretty, that's tough. Because, you know, some people, some, you know, we, we're human and we may, we, we're, not, we're not perfect. I always start by asking folks, how many doses per month do you miss? Because we are human. We, all, you know, we do forget. But um, we need to do everything we possibly can to stick to the treatment plan because it can make a real difference. And it can be a razor's edge sometimes. Just a small difference, you know, it's not, and, and another thing just is just coming to mind, be honest, be transparent. Sometimes doctors are reacting to results that are not looking as they had hoped or things are going in the wrong direction because they think the treatment's not working. When it could be as simple as there's been a side effect that got in the way or maybe treatment, um, you know, integrity, treatment adherence had, had declined for some reason. So we got a full transparency, everything on the table. Um, Bring those side effects to bear. Bring those questions to bear. Tell us if you, you felt like you had to stop or you stopped or you ran out or you lost it or whatever, whatever happened. We need to know so we can get back on track. I'm going to leave the next question a little bit more to my colleague because it's about timing and medications, and I think that's maybe something we can cover next. And this I'll leave with a, a few words on quality of life concerns. All of the things we're talking about in cancer treatment are trying to marry that agenda of what is the best darn cancer treatment we can come up with with the least side effects so we can you know, rid someone of the cancer side effects or the cancer effects, not bring on a host of new side effects from the chemotherapy. We, we never want to make the, you know, the treatment worse than the condition. Sometimes temporarily it can be, but we, we really strive um, in, in, in our current era to strike a much better balance, and I'm fortunate to say that we really can, but we need to know about someone's quality of life. We can't always assume that we know what the best mix is. Some people, you know, may have a certain line in the sand they want to draw, like, well, that's too much, or that's not something I see myself doing. Um, and we, we're going to adjust our treatment plan uh, to something that is right for, for you as a patient, as a, as a care team, um, that, uh, again, is hopefully that best balance between, you know, the highest reward and the least risk, um, always. So I'm going to stop there, because I want to make sure we have plenty of time, and I thank you for your attention. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Morrow. That was really outstanding and such a great way to start the program um, and really just, just wonderful information for everybody. And I know there'll be questions for you during the Q&A, so thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you so very much. Um, and our next speaker um, is Dr. Elizabeth O'Donnell. And Dr. O'Donnell is Director of Lifestyle Clinic, Massachusetts General Hospital, Associate Director, Mass General Cancer Center's Survivorship Program, Assistant Professor in Medicine, Harvard Medical School. And Dr. O'Donnell will be addressing the value of time of day, consistency in taking your pills, challenges to taking your treatment on schedule, practical tips and opportunities to overcome them, review of resources to remind you to take your pills on schedule, Planning ahead 
lead time in refilling prescriptions on weekends, travel, holidays, and special occasions. Communicating with your healthcare, with your hematology oncology team about adherence, including your pharmacist. Guidelines to prepare for telehealth, telemedicine appointments, including technology. Prepare list of questions. Follow-up appointments and discussion of open notes. And the role of lifestyle balance and activity in taking your treatment on schedule. It's really my pleasure to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. O'Donnell. Thank you, Carolyn, and, and thank you so much to everybody who's tuning in to today's discussion. Um, it was really wonderful to hear Dr. Moreau's um, opinions and, and recommendations. I think uh, some of these topics that I'll be covering will really overlap and hopefully complement one another and reinforce the importance of many of the things uh, that he said. So I'm going to begin with consistency. Um, you know, my specialty is multiple myeloma, which is a blood cancer. Um, and similar to what Dr. Murrow said, this is a marathon pace disease. Um, and so most of our patients are on pills for many, many years. We have been so fortunate in this blood cancer to have new therapies. And many of these new therapies are pill forms. And this is not limited to the cancer that I treat. This is true of many different types of cancers. And in many ways, this is a great change that has occurred and I think will continue to occur in how we treat cancer. But what that means is that it becomes the patient's responsibility to take those pills as they're prescribed. And just like Dr. Moreau said, I can tell you sometimes I, I may miss a few antibiotics towards the end of that seven or 10 days. So this is, this is a true um, challenge or uh, a truth some, that needs to be given some thought in the patient's care over the years for which they'll be treated. And so I think habits are critical. Habits are critical in life. So there is value in establishing a habit of how you will take this pill or pill so that you can be consistent. And it's not just the treatments themselves. Very often I joke with my patients, for every one pill I give you for the treatment of your cancer, I give you another for the management of side effects. And very often... Uh, those medications are just as important in preventing some untoward effects of the therapy. So it's important to be consistent and to take the medications as prescribed. So time of day, when is the right time to take a specific medicine? And also, how does that medicine interface with the other medicines that you're on that may need to be taken at a specific time of day? You know, for better or for worse, many patients have other medical problems that go along with their cancer diagnosis, if you have many medicines that need to be taken, not only for your cancer, but for other diseases such as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, this is where a pharmacist can be very useful. At larger cancer centers, very often we have pharmacists, but even your local pharmacist can assist you in understanding the how and when uh, and what um, can be, what foods can be taken uh, with the medicines to help you come up with a plan. Some medicines can also have side effects such as sleepiness. So if you're on a medicine uh, for your cancer, one I can think of that I use very commonly is lenalidomide. It can make people feel more tired. That's a medicine that's better to take in the evening so that it may help you sleep more and that so you're not fatigued during the day. So establishing when the right time of day is to take those medicines and then continuing to take them consistently. Um, is really the way to, to think about the long-term approach to taking your cancer medicines. Now, 
this doesn't come without challenges. Sometimes we're not home at the time that we're scheduled to take uh, our medicines or there are interruptions. Um, and so really allowing some flexibility, but also sometimes planning ahead can be critical to making sure that you can take your medicines. If the medicine has to be refrigerated, thinking ahead, cooling packs, bringing them with you if you need to, or simply having a pill container that you can pre-fill and carry with you if you need to take your medications at a specific time of day. Um, I believe Dr. Moreau also mentioned setting reminders or making a schedule. So many of us carry smartphones now, um, and those can be programmed. We can set alarms on those. That's a very simple way. Most of us carry our phones with us. Uh, we're more likely to have a, them on us than anything else. So, you know, that trigger, uh, that alert that it's time to take your, your medications, that's one very simple thing that you can do. Sealing pill boxes um, and also even blister packs can now be made that can help you keep track of what you've taken. Um, you know, it can be sometimes hard to remember if you're taking things straight from the bottle, whether or not you've taken this morning or this afternoon's dose, particularly if you're taking it day in and day out, year in and year out. So pre-filling some, uh, a pill box or keeping a log can be very helpful just in terms of the accounting of whether or not you have taken your medications. Setting reminders, setting alarms um, is another really great way to keep yourself on track. There are even pill bottles now. Uh, that can alert you that it's time uh, to take your, your medications. Um, and so, you know, those are some very basic ways uh, that you can remind yourself, but also just habits. You know, when you do something at the same time of day, every day, whether it's waking up or going to bed, you get used to that rhythm. And so really thinking about your treatment as something that's part of your day, part of your habit, um, so that it's not forgotten, so that it's part of everything you do on a daily basis. A lot of these medicines, particularly those that come from specialty pharmacies, do require some planning ahead. And so I know for uh, some of our medications within myeloma, we need to call at least a week in advance uh, to ensure that the medication is mailed directly to the patient. Uh, for medicines like Revlimid or lenalidomide, it's all, unfortunately a three-card step where the patient calls in, the team then calls the specialty pharmacy, the specialty pharmacy then calls the patient to arrange the delivery. So that's a very complicated and error-laden or error-prone uh, way in which uh, these medications are distributed. So what that means is that as a patient, you have to be proactive in planning ahead, making sure you order uh, well in advance of when you're going to need your next pill bottle so that if anything does go awry, as we know invariably in life, things don't go as well as planned, uh, that you have your medicine in time. The next part of that coin is when you are on medicines day in and day out, year in and year out, it's okay, going back to this marathon pace, it's okay if there's uh, off by one day here or there. Um, it can be very anxiety provoking for patients if their prescription hasn't arrived on time. And I live in New England, so we have snowstorms and all kinds of other uh, things that can come up that can delay the delivery of medication. So rest assured, it's okay sometimes to be a little bit flexible so as not to increase your stress level. In addition, um, you know, if you're calling in for a refill, most hospitals and most refilling uh, 
um, of prescriptions needs to occur on a Monday to Friday business hour time frame. So if you call thinking that you need to call two days in advance and you call on Friday evening or Saturday, please recognize that most often those messages will not be heard or those refills will not be issued till the following Monday. Same thing with holidays. A lot of uh, the refilling is not done on uh, national holidays as well. There are special um, rules that it's worth knowing about. If you are planning a vacation or a trip somewhere um, and won't be able uh, or would need an extended supply of your medication, uh, some, some uh, pharmacies will distribute a two-month supply once a year which can be hugely beneficial to patients who are trying to have quality of life to travel and enjoy themselves. So be sure to ask your team if you have, or let them know if you have an upcoming event, uh, because they may be able to help accommodate that and provide you with your medications to enable you to do the things that you would like to do. And um, as Dr. Moreau said, communication is key. Um, you know, we want to help. And if there are barriers um, that are preventing you from taking your medications, or if perhaps for whatever reason you missed your medication for a week, it is so useful for your team to know that, to understand if there are changes to your labs, for example, um, that we're trying to explain and we don't have that piece of information, it can also affect our assessment uh, in your medical care. So communication is extremely valuable. Let us know. Uh, first and foremost, if you're taking the medications as prescribed, but also what barriers or challenges you're having so that we can help brainstorm and work with you as your partner in care uh, to ensure that you're able to take your medications. Because what's ultimately more important for these marathon-paced diseases is adherence over time. Um, there are some cancers where their treatment is short and definitive and others where they're managed more like chronic diseases. And so... So the importance in these long-term illnesses is the consistency with which you take your medication. Um, and I think that also segues into the next topic on how to prepare for telemedicine appointments um, and how to really communicate best with your team. So I think one of the few good things that's come out of uh, COVID is that we now have the ability to do a lot more telemedicine. And for people who are stable on their medications, um, who you know don't really need to be coming into clinic once a month, this is a great thing where we can check in, have a quick visit, um, and sometimes even get our labs checked a week in advance so they result out and are ready for these discussions. So how do you prepare for these appointments and really any appointment? If there are lab values uh, that help determine next steps in your treatment, trying to schedule those in advance of your appointments so that the results are back so that your provider has them available for their review, so making sure timing is correct of your appointments. Making sure you know how to use the technology. Do a dry run if you've never used it before. Uh, make sure you know how most uh, hospitals and, and cancer programs that offer telemedicine visits also offer um, support for the technological aspect. So um, you know, trying it out before the appointment can be very beneficial. Also, being ready. Um, you know, how many times have you gone to the doctor uh, had a list of questions and your mind um, got there and then uh, left only to remember that you'd forgotten to ask several of your important questions. So prepare that list, write it down and put it in your phone perhaps um, so that you don't forget and don't walk out uh, saying, shoot, I wish I'd asked that. 
um, you know, these appointments and this time is your time. Uh, and I know as a provider, uh, I hope that every time I come out of an appointment that I've answered all my patients' questions and that they come away satisfied um, and feeling confident um, that they understand their treatment. And so um, really just coming prepared, knowing what your questions are, and feeling uh, the opportunity to ask. And if you're having trouble with any of your pills in particular and going back to kind of this timing uh, and adherence, this is an opportunity to raise those concerns so that we can brainstorm together um, to help you best take your therapy. In moving on to follow-up appointments and discussion of open notes, a recent change in the past couple of years is the ability for patients to see all of their notes, all of their uh, scans, labs in real time. You see them as soon as they're available, um, and very often you may see them even before your provider does. Um, and so this is a great um, thing, in my opinion, because it, it really allows uh, everyone full access to their personal information. However, um, sometimes there can be confusing information uh, in the chart or in the open notes, and so you may see this only after you've left your appointment. So how do you follow that up and how do you have a conversation about questions you may have uh, about information that you read in your chart? So some things may be more of a curiosity or um, you know, something you know, small that you wanna ultimately know. And then there may be other things you know, that are truly important. So I think it's about discerning you know, when you reach out and use the opportunity um, to, to reach to your provider through Patient Gateway, um, recognizing that there are a lot of messages coming in, and so saving some questions for visits may be more appropriate than following up everything uh, that's in your scan reports. However, our, your team, again, wants you to um, understand uh, and be able to um, have access to that information. So. If there's something that you see in your results, make note of it and bring that to your next appointment for review. And finally, uh, just as Dr. Moreau did, thinking about lifestyle, quality of life, balance and activity uh, in taking your treatment, you know, there is a balance and there is a natural relationship uh, between um, your cancer experience and how it affects the rest of your life. And this has to be a life. It has to be your life. It has to be true to you. So really thinking about um, how you can integrate your treatment while still maintaining and preserving the things that you love, the activities that you love uh, is really important. You know, maintaining activity levels, doing things that are good for you. So eating well, exercising, sleeping well, having relationships, socializing, um, these are so critical to your overall happiness and wellness and, and well-being throughout your cancer journey. Um, I really emphasize this with all of my patients, that there has to be a balance in life between, you know, really taking and tackling your cancer care as your number one priority, but also preserving a life uh, and uh, making it work together. And so, Again, working with your care team, understanding what your values are um, is really how we create the alignment that will ultimately enable you to have your best quality of life, your best life possible. And I think that everybody is on the same page in terms of that being the number one priority. 
So I really appreciate the invitation to participate in today's conference. Uh, thank you all for your attention. Carolyn, back to you. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. O'Donnell. That was really outstanding as well, and just really, um, really, um, you know, the highlighting of um, uh, people also incorporating many things to make their lives just so much better. And I think that's a theme throughout both your presentation and Dr. Morrow, and I think it's wonderful. And I'm sure we'll have that continuation of questions during the Q&A as well. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and um, I'm just going to say a few words about Cancer Care Services just so that you um, can understand the free programs and services that you can access from Cancer Care. Um, so Cancer Care is a national nonprofit organization, so that means anyone in the United States can access our services. Um, we have a HOPE line, it's an 800 number, and a website as well. Now for our international participants, um, you certainly can contact Cancer Care through our website, post a question, one of our oncology social workers will answer your question and help to connect, connect you with resources in your community, in your country, in the world that would help you with the issues that you may be confronting. Um, so what are, um, what happens, what can Cancer Care do for you? So many people call our HOPE line, um, and, and when they call the HOPE line, it's answered by an oncology social worker. We try to have um, really people in queue waiting for calls to come in, so there is no wait time when you call as someone who picks up that phone pretty quickly. And usually people identify what their question or concern is. The social worker helps to identify or help them with it. And then actually um, does go up with them all the services that Cancer Care offers. So what are those services? So first of all, we do offer support. So a chance to talk with one of our oncology social workers, either individually or um, in, a, in one of our online support groups. Um, and um, many people find those very helpful in terms of support. We also do offer practical financial and co-payment co assistance. And the financial assistance is restricted to people in the United States, but again, for international participants, there are in your respect, respective countries, areas, um, there are international groups that do provide um, help to cancer, people living with cancer, so please be aware of that. Um, there are many organizations, so if you have that question, you can post it on our website www.cancercare.org and one of our oncology social workers will assist you to find a resource to meet your need. We also have a case management team. You're a team of, of, uh, of staff who actually will help you if we don't have the resource. Many people call about issues around having enough funds for food or for housing or for so many different things. And so what our staff will do is they will go with you virtually and they'll stay with you um, and um, and try to find a resource to meet your need. It could be multiple resources to meet your need, um, and they will actually stay with you until that until you you get the need that you that you that get your need met. That's really important. Um, we also offer wellness coping circles. They're small groups, and many people find those very helpful. Um, they're actually a chance to interact with a number of other people. It's a combination of educational and emotional and social and practical assistance in these groups. And um, so that's another resource. And you can find that resource on our website under community programs. And, um, and then in addition to that, we offer these workshops, about 75 of them per year, sometimes more. Um, and we also offer a number of publications. So that gives you a thumbnail sketch of the services that Cancer Care offers, all of which are free. And now 
before I move on to the Q&A, so please get your questions ready. Um, and uh, I'm, I just want to ask you all a few questions. Um, again, those of you who are live streaming will be able to see the questions. It will take about two minutes to answer the questions, and then we'll move right on to the Q&A, because I know many of you have questions. Some of you have already posted questions because you know, you've been out of the program, but if you haven't, um, we'll explain to you how to do that. So the first question I want to ask all of you is, and those of you who are live streaming will be able to see the questions and rate your answer. So the first question is, as a result of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater confidence in my knowledge of the side effects of blood cancer treatments. Uh, one is the highest rating, and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, as a result of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater confidence in my knowledge of how to work with the healthcare team to use their tips and suggestions to prevent and manage treatment side effects. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, as a result of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater confidence in my knowledge of the importance of taking blood cancer treatment on schedule or adherence, adhering to my treatments. And one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And now just two questions left. As a result of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater confidence in my knowledge of practical tips to overcome the challenges of taking pills on schedule. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And this will be the last question. As a result of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater confidence in my knowledge of the importance of how to plan ahead to manage lead time in refilling prescriptions, weekends, travel, holidays, and special occasions. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. So I want to thank everybody for participating in these questions. Again, it will help us as we plan programs going forward um, to tailor the programs to best meet your needs. And now we have time for questions. I'm going to ask Ramella to bring all of our speakers on board, and we're going to try to take as many of your questions as possible. And Ramella will explain to you how to queue up for questions. Ramella. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star then 1 on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. Those of you on the web may submit questions by clicking Ask a Question. And we have some uh, questions for our online participants, so I'm going to start with those. Um, so this is a, a really um, excellent question. Um, uh, so this is a good question. I'm going to have both of our speakers address this one. Um, it's a topic of great interest here. When taking medications, and I'm going to ask Dr. Morrow to start, when taking medications, do I have to alter or limit daily activities? That's a great question. Um, the That's the kind of question to ask as you're, you know, maybe initiating therapy because you know, every medicine is different. There may be side effects that could be stronger or less for that matter depending on what you do around or after the time you take medication. There may be certain precautions. I mean, some medications have instructions to not lie down, sit upright. Uh, medications take, that are not cancer therapy, I want to ask you, process medications. One of the most important things um, about altering activities or altering routines would be what are you doing around the time you take a medication? Are you fasting or have you eaten? Should you be taking this on a full stomach or not? Should you be uh, worried it could cause... Um, some sort of change in uh, your condition or your your parameters where you'd want to be doing more or less um, 
So, so definitely a question for the provider team to ask because every medication is different, especially targeted therapies. You know, we may be getting into some, I guess, more distinct or unique side effect profiles rather than the usual. So, so always ask. Excellent. And uh, Dr. Donald, do you want to add to that? So I think, um, you know, for the most part, um, you know, there should not be huge limitations to um, what you do in your life. Just as Dr. Mark said, you may want to make sure that there are certain restrictions about taking your pills. But I think very often, um, you know, the best medicine is just carrying on and doing your activities of daily living um, and really trying to adhere to the routines of your life to the best that you can uh, without interrupting um, your normal um, to the extent that you can. Excellent. And um, another question from one of our online participants. I'm going on, away on vacation for Dr. O'Donnell. I'm going away on vacation. What can I do to remember my medicines when I am away from home, even packing them to some extent? And then I remember taking them as well. Yeah. So, so this is this can be really challenging, and this can actually be very stressful for some people, particularly if there's a temperature at which their medication needs to be kept. So I'd say there are two parts of this. One is, you know, maintaining your routine, so setting your alarm. Um, using your phone is a great way to do that so that you remember when you're doing your activities. And then it really depends what your mechanism is for keeping your pills at home. I really do encourage people to use pill boxes or sorters so that you're not left – you know, staring at the bottle saying, did I take it this morning? I can't remember. And then putting them out and counting them to see how many you've actually taken. So, you know, when you travel, pre-filling that pill box uh, so that you have your medications for each day can be vital. And then the other thing, too, which often comes up uh, for patients who've been on some of these chronic therapies, and again, I'm going to use the same example, which is lenalidomide, uh, because it's used so much in my cancer. Um, you know, patients are often on this medicine for three-plus years, and sometimes we'll say, can we time your break so that you're on vacation then so you don't have to remember it and taking it during that time, give you a true vacation from it, and, and maybe even take an extra week if it doesn't line up uh, and adjust the schedule so that if, if it does affect your energy or cause side effects, you get that vacation from it. And it really comes back to that conversation with your team uh, about what your priorities are. If it's, in my opinion, if it's safe for a patient to take a week off, um, I say take that vacation, you know, be fully energized, enjoy yourself, don't worry. Um, so those are two thoughts or suggestions uh, that I would have for you. Excellent. And what about remembering to just pack them? I know a lot of people run into trouble because they, didn't, they forgot to yeah. take the pills with them. Well, and that can be a problem. So if you're somewhere, you know, some of your pills you could could be called into CVS and refilled should you forget um, to bring them, but others like your cancer medications would not be easily refilled. Um, and so, you know, I think making a packing list, um, checking it twice is a really good thing um, so that you know that you have those with you. And then the other thing is how you carry your pills. Um, and so if it is something that is critical for you to take, keeping it in your carry-on versus checking it through is another suggestion so that if your bags get lost or delayed, you're not without your medication. So you know, having a satchel within your, your carry-on bag may be a good strategy for ensuring that your medicines are with you when you need to take them. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. And um, a question for Dr. Morrow. Um, um, my son will be heading off to school. He has pediatric leukemia. What can I do to help him take his medicine when he's out of the house? 
well, <clears throat> if if I heard right, that's a, 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 someone off to university, and um, mm -hmm. I think the same rules apply that Elizabeth had uh, shared, and I, I tried to maybe mention as well, tools that we want to use to uh, to stay adherent to medications. Um, I'll make a leap of faith here and say that a, a young gentleman off to university may be more tech savvy than the parents, <laughs> and um, you know, reminders, things in, in the technology suite that, you know, we all use day in and day out can really be great help. But, you know, nothing also beats just the human factor. Um, it depends on one's transparency. But, you know, at university, is going to be often a student health center. I always tell people not to, to familiarize, to engage. They can be really helpful, supportive um, mentors or, or um, you know, faculty that, you know, so there can be some, um, it, but that's assuming that confidentiality is, that that's within the boundaries of what, is acceptable by the, that 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 person and, and family, et cetera, and not necessary to you know to wear the badge of, of needing to take medication if one doesn't need to. As long as one, it, it can be something that can be uh, only known to those that absolutely need to. And I think there are certain um, ground rules on that. So I would look at that, and then don't be shy to tap into the resources that are available. Um, again, tap into the technologies, the reminders. Um, I personally have a. I have a young uh, university student who's overseas, and gosh, I can't imagine what the world used to be like. I'm able to t text and FaceTime with her all the time, and um, so I would get a uh, a plan together for you know a little bit of a um, a sign um, that everything good, medications on board. If, if it's daily, that might be a little bit cumbersome, but if that works, that might be it. So use use all the tools available. Awesome. Sounds like a good plan. Very helpful. Um, and um, so this question, um, this is a question for Dr. O'Donnell. My mom cannot keep track of her medication. I will be returning to work soon, um, and I cannot make phone calls during work hours. Um, we use a pillbox, but still she gets mixed up. Other than finding a caretaker, what else can we do? Yeah, this is really challenging. Um, and it, you are not the only person, um, you're not alone in this problem. And so, you know, it takes a village. So I think if you have other friends, family members, neighbors, uh, people you can engage, it's not wrong to try and create a network uh, of people to help your loved ones. Uh, we've all been in that circumstance. And so trying to find others who may have the latitude to help do um, prompt and reminders. There are some visiting nursing services that can be available and covered by your insurance, but I find that those are usually somewhat limited and, and limited in time. Um, and then, you know, it may also be about when you do have the opportunity when you're not at work um, to help prepare her, have her set an alarm in the morning uh, so that she does have that clue or that trigger. Um, you know, when the time arises in the day if you're not able to call her. So really to enlist as many neighbors, friends, perhaps um, grandchildren. Yeah, I think, and I think, to, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I think it's, it's a really, it is a team effort, particularly as, as we think about, you know, the course of treatment sometimes being longer and so really trying not to do it all yourself, but to try and get help and also um, to empower her um, to own this responsibility and, and to do the needed steps to make sure she takes her medication. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and for Dr. Morrow, um, 
Do medicine dispensing machines work well? Comment on that. I don't have any personal experience on, on seeing them and how they function, um, but um, there are you know things that we can use that sort of you know can keep track of that you've taken your dose you know uh, sort of like a um, something in the cap of a bottle. There may be little dispensers which um, can uh, take over that role. I love the idea of um, uh, once a week you know maybe with a someone looking over just to make sure it's done is to putting the medications out. I think that's a those old-fashioned but so helpful pill boxes are, are so good, you know. Um, I, I would I would uh, actually maybe favor them because, um, you know, if there's some sort of malfunction or some question, you know, I, I get a, often get that call, I'm not sure, or, you know, it, 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 this is pretty um, bulletproof, you know. If you put pills into a little Sunday package in, in, in the pill box and then you empty the Sunday package and you take it, you're, done, you're good for Sunday. And then Monday comes and you move on. So the, um, the mechanics of that, I'm not sure. But I, I would say stay tuned. You know, technology may advance. And, uh, you know, we um, – but don't feel – don't be afraid to go old school. You know, keep a diary, pill boxes, the, the usuals, um, but try technology and see if it suits you. Excellent. We have asked this question before, but Dr. Don, what should I do if I can't remember if I took a pill or not? Yeah, so this is <laughs> this is a, a true challenge, particularly when you've taken uh, medications day in and day out for a long time. Um, and this is really where um, the pill box uh, comes in handy because it shows you whether or not you've taken it. If it's labeled and it's you know that day of the week and there's pills still in there, that can be helpful. Um, but if you truly don't know, if you're in the circumstance of you know did did I take it? Did I not? Um, you know you can count the number of pills still left in the bottle and do the math uh, based on when your cycle started to see if you can figure it out. But if you can't, um, then it depends on the medicine. Some medicines, it might be okay to take an extra pill, uh, but I would say when in doubt, leave it out. We don't want you doubling down on some of your cancer treatments uh, in a given day. Um, and, you know, if you're really concerned, you can always call your team um, just to see what their recommendation is. And the same thing happens sometimes. Let's say someone was sick and they, they vomited a pill. Uh, we would not necessarily want them to retake that medication or take a second dose. Um, so sometimes you may just have to wait till the next day to restart yourself. Excellent. And pill containers come in all different sizes and shapes, and so that's another thing just to be aware of um, mm -hmm. for people um, in days of the week and time of the day. Some of them are very complicated, so a simple pillbox sometimes works well for people, but... It depends on how how um, detailed uh, someone is in terms of what their preference is. So, um, and um, this is a question for Dr. Morrow. How do I reduce stomach pains or other unwanted side effects of medication without using more medication? Well, that's a, probably a pretty common issue because that's the way medications start their journey. And, you know, you, uh, oral medications uh, in the stomach not uh, always... Uh, so accepting, so but that really requires a discussion with the provider because um, one clear example I'll give is that you know I I treat a lot of people with oral chemotherapy for chronic myeloid leukemia and a very simple and very common medicine used for stomach acid or literally almost anything that's used for stomach acid if it's used aggressively can reduce the absorption of certain medications by more than half. So um, I think this person's question is very insightful. They're saying besides taking other medications, what can I do? Because they may know that taking 
what we call supportive care or side effect management medications could actually interfere with the chemotherapy or interfere with whatever the medication is. But I think a discussion is sort of super important there so we know um, it could be a sign or symptom of the condition. It could be a sign or symptom that the medicine is too harsh or is causing some problem. could warrant further investigation. could be very simple and just needs, um, you know, um, adding adding something um, to the stomach, taking it with more food, more liquids, less food, less liquids. It, it, I can I could give you a myriad of, of potential scenarios, so I can't answer that question specifically, but it's a great one, and it's the perfect one to bring back to the care team to say, here's what's going on, what do we do to make it better? Excellent. Thank you. And so the last question, and this is for Dr. O'Donnell, will traditional alternative medicine like herbal teas, therapies, and more interact with blood cancer medication? They absolutely can. Yeah, so this is really important. Um, you know, one of my interests is in nutrition um, and in healthy eating, um, but one of the questions I get asked most commonly is about supplements. And so I can speak, you know, strictly to my own cancer multiple myeloma, where they've actually looked at the interactions of things with green tea with medicines such as bortezomib. And what we found is that it does decrease the efficacy of your cancer treatment. Um, so it is very important as part of your discussion with your oncologist or your team to let them know what supplements or other um, other uh, complementary medications you may be taking. The risk of taking something um, that is not, um, you know, a medication where we know what pathway in which it's digested and how that pathway um, interacts with your cancer treatment is that it can either decrease the effectiveness of your cancer treatment or could potentially decrease the way in which that medicine is cleared, increasing the toxicity of your treatment. Um, so this is a very important question, and, you know, green tea is a great example because in the case of my cancer, we know that it actually does interact with one of our very important cancer treatments. Um, so please, please, when you are starting new treatments or even taking any of them, make sure you ask uh, your doctor about the supplements uh, and how they interact with your cancer therapies. We may not know how they interact, but we may tell you not to take them. Um, so that uh, at least in the active part of your therapy so that we can ensure you're getting the right effective dose uh, to treat your cancer. Excellent. Well, I want to thank our speakers. You've really been phenomenal. It's been an amazing program today. I have to say that although we've done programs like this in the past, I would say that today's program has been the most um, extraordinary, both in terms of our speakers' answers to the questions and to the questions. We've had a lot of really um, superb questions today. So again, I want to thank um, everyone for making this um, really such a team effort, both people asking questions and our wonderful speakers today. Um, however, we do have many more questions in queue, and so I do want to kind of address that issue. So um, for those of you who have a question that you didn't get a chance to ask, for those of you who asked a question, and for those of you who are thinking of a question you'd like to ask, we recommend that you all take your questions back to your treating healthcare team. They, of course, know you the best. They know the medications you're taking. They know everything about you and all the details of your blood cancer. And so please take your questions back to them. Remember, your healthcare team consists of your physician, but also consists also of an oncology nurse, oncology social worker, patient navigator, financial assistance people, um, quite a large physical therapist, a large group of people. And actually, so 
may be that when you bring your question to your healthcare team, that your physician will then direct you to other members of the team to help you um, with your questions and concerns. And of course, you always can call Cancer Care. Um, we'll be um, sending you a SurveyMonkey evaluation tomorrow, an evaluation of the program for your comments, but also that will include all of the, any resource that we gave out during the program that you'll be able to kind of use as a resource um, to, you'll get that resource so that you'll, it's not just an evaluation, it also includes information that could be valuable to you. And uh, most importantly, as we conclude the program today, I would not want any one of you to feel you're alone in coping with a blood cancer, any type of cancer. I want you to now know that you're part of the community of support, both your healthcare team, and we are available to help you with Cancer Care, um, and um, many other organizations um, that partner with us on these programs as well, are all credible organizations. And we do recommend that if you have a question or concern, that you bring it to your healthcare team. And we also know that you like to research questions on your own. Please go to the organizations that we've listed on, um, you know, on our website as organizations that are credible, well-respected organizations that really carefully research the information. So if you'd like to gather more information, but remember your healthcare team are the people treating you and they're the ones who know the most about you. Again, I want to thank you all for your participation today and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop and you may now disconnect. Everyone have a great day.